1: Welcome to Let's Talk Prevention, a podcast of VASA. I am James Mazza, the Coalition Coordinator for VASA. And if you aren't familiar with us, we are a community coalition that researches and implements strategies related to substance use and misuse. VASA is a program of Voice, which is a nonprofit here in McLennan County that teaches critical life skills to children and families. Today, I am excited and thrilled to welcome John Goodnight, Chief Executive Officer for the nonprofit Viable Options and Community Endeavors, VOICE. John has worked in a nonprofit setting for over 21 years and has been with VOICE for over 15 years. He received his Bachelor's of Science degree in Sociology from the University of Texas at Tyler, received his Master's of Business Administration from Western Governors University, and he truly has a heart for helping others. John, welcome. Well, thank you for having me.
0: So, John. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I grew up in Corsicana, Texas, uh, just right down the road, uh, where I currently live with my wife and kids. I have nine children. Uh, eight of them were adopted from the state foster care system, and our youngest was an adopted embryo. Um, as you said, I've been in the nonprofit field for 21 years, and I've uh, I worked about three years uh, for state agencies, uh, CPS and MHMR, uh, both serving in Navarro County. Uh, prior... To Voice, I worked primarily in case management positions, serving numerous different populations, population groups. Um, during my 15 plus years of Voice, I've served as the program coordinator, program director, deputy director of programs, and now CEO.
1: So it sounds like you really have uh, a lot of history working with voice <laughs> and especially and not just not just voice in general, but also with with kids. It sounds like you also have a passion for helping kids as well. Yeah. So yeah. can you tell us uh, a little bit more about like what voice does kind of how, how voice got started?
0: Sure, sure. Um, well, I always got to start with a mission. So <laughs> our mission is to empower children and families to lead healthy and productive lives by promoting success and education Nurturing Wellness in Mind and Body, and Developing Skills in Tomorrow's Global Leaders. Um, So, Voice was founded in 1992 by Lois Jean Hart in Corsicana. Uh, She was a retired educator, um, and she saw a need for um, the kids in her neighborhood after school, during the summer, helping them, you know, keep them busy. And um, so... (coughs) <coughs> what she did is she started the program um, providing tutoring and enrichment programs and eventually uh, shifted towards uh, providing substance abuse prevention programs uh, to the schools starting in, in, uh, in Corsicana itself and then moving it into Navarro County um, with continued funding from the Texas Health and Human Services Commission, Voice uh, continued to provide prevention programs and other activities while we expanded our service area. Uh, currently, we serve um, 20 counties in central and east texas uh, typically reaching about 60,000 children youth parents and community partners every year um, but i, I do want to say that you know substance abuse prevention is a large part of what we do but voice makes a a, a greater impact than than just on substance abuse, substance use and misuse um you know we cha- we we change lives our, our programs prepare children and youth to make uh, the best of their lives and provides, uh, you know, positive mentors and, and opportunities to engage with their their friends and their schools and their communities.
1: Well, I mean, it, it sounds like the employees at Voice do an amazing job. Can, can you kind of go into a little bit more detail as uh, what is uh, the life like for for an employee working at Voice?
0: Okay, well, um, the majority of our personnel uh, consists of, of our program staff called prevention specialists, and they, along with our program directors and program assistants, and, of course, our coalition coordinator, are, <laughs> <laughs> are the heart and soul of voice, and, and I, I, I genuinely mean that. Um, they are the ones that are on the front lines. They, they're the ones in the schools delivering the prevention curriculum, implementing programs throughout the year, and coordinating our, our individual and family and community activities. Um, They're, uh, the the prevention specialists are are trained to deliver um, evidence-based prevention curriculum um, that's been proven to, to, uh, sorry, proven. (laughs) You're okay. Um, Okay. The prevention specialists are trained to deliver evidence-based prevention curriculum that has been uh, thoroughly researched and been proven to Increase participants' knowledge and skills while decreasing their intentions to uh, uh, engage in risky behaviors. Um, the prevention specialists also do informational presentations on alcohol, tobacco, drugs, and some uh, behavior health uh, to schools and communities.
1: So it sounds like there's a lot of training involved in being a prevention specialist and, and providing this information to schools and and children. So can anybody just do this? Can anybody off the street just come up and say, hey, I know a little bit about you know alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs, or, or how does that work?
0: <laughs> well, um, so our, our prevention specialists get about 150 hours of training in their first year of employment and continue to receive training every year after that. Um, typically, our the prevention specialists have uh, at least an associate's degree in various fields, such as psychology, social work, other human services. Um, and experience working with children of all ages and backgrounds. However, to get started in prevention, you really only need a couple of prerequisites. That's a heart for passion and passion for ch- helping children, families, and communities lead their best lives, and a willingness to serve as a positive mentor and support the people in our communities.
1: And I think that those are probably the biggest things that you really need. It, because your educational background, when it comes to learning about prevention, you can come from any educational background. You have to okay. just have that 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 desire to want to help, and I think that's the most important part about prevention. Yeah, absolutely. So you did talk a little bit about the curriculums. Um, you, I heard evidence based. Evidence based. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like a like a like a buzzword. <laughs> so how how do you know that your curriculums are successful? How do we know that they work?
0: Well, the uh, the curriculum that we use um, has been researched for many 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 years in different settings with different groups of kids. Um, all age groups, all grade levels, and through those research studies, they've they've shown um, a, like I said, a decrease in kids' intention to use alcohol, tobacco, and drugs while increasing their skills, such as uh, uh, goal setting and decision making and, and you know, building up their self-esteem. Um, even our other uh, summer programs, spring break programs, we try to use as much evidence-based curricula as we can uh, just so that we go in knowing that what we're doing, if we follow the follow the guidelines like we're supposed to, that it's gonna work, we're gonna show some sort of uh, positive outcome.
1: So there's actually scientific research that's shown that what you guys are doing is positive and it does affect the kids in the long run. Yes, yeah. well, and let's let's kind of talk about the elephant in the room, you know, because whenever I grew up talking about alcohol, tobacco, or drugs, or whenever I grew up hearing about alcohol, tobacco or other drugs, you know, there was a, a big four-letter word that always popped up, and it, I think some of you might remember it as, as dare, right? So <laughs>
0: are you guys like dare? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's, the, that's the response we get whenever people ask us. So what is voice? Well, we provide drug prevention education, and the response we get is, oh, like dare. Well, no, not really. <laughs> um you know Dare is it it was a great, it is it is a great program i um it, it's still around uh just not as prevalent as it was before um and they've really focused a lot of their efforts similarly to 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 ours um but um you know what we what we do as far as our curriculum goes and our programs go our, everything is is meshed together so the 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 kids get their their um prevention education um, through the curriculum. They uh, get to have opportunities to engage in activities where they get to use the the things that they've learned and all the lessons that, that we teach kind of build upon each other. So um, when you start in a, a, a voice program, you continue on every year trying to build on the, those skills that you're getting.
1: So what it sounds like is that And you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. I'm no expert in the prevention field specifically, but it sounds like a lot of what the prevention specialists are doing are, they're coming in there and they're kind of providing a foundation for the kids to learn how to regulate their emotions and and how to engage in the community. Whereas with DARE, it it seems like a lot of times the DARE officers were coming in there to say, Hey, don't do this. This is bad. Right. And and it feels like, and again, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. It feels like when it comes to voice, the intention isn't to say, "Hey, this is bad," is to say, "Hey, let's talk about how we can avoid these situations."
0: Right, right, exactly. Um, you know, uh, the "just say no" campaign back in the '80s. Um, you know, they they learned over over the years that you know telling kids to just say no doesn't work. You know, they're they're not going to listen to you, especially adults. <laughs> and so, um, what I like to t- tell people is, you know, we don't tell teach kids. We don't tell kids to just say no. We teach them how to say no, and that way they can, um, when they they're faced with the decisions—not just about drugs and alcohol, but the ris- risky behaviors that that come at them all the time—they can be prepared to to say no, or you know, in the best possible way.
1: And, and I think that's important to to bring up because. Having been a teenager myself, <laughs> if an adult comes and tells me not to do something, my first reaction is obviously going to be to do it, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so instead of just coming in and saying, hey, don't do this, you guys are coming in there saying, hey, well, if you're going to do it, let's talk about what happens if, if this does occur, right? Mm-hmm. It's not so much as, as that knee-jerk reaction, oh, this is bad, don't do it. It's it's right. more along the lines of, hey, let's have this discussion, right? Before you before you even try to take that step, let's talk about what that outcome looks like and help to prepare the kiddos and the children to, to be ready to to take on those consequences if that's what they choose to do, or how to avoid those situations if right. that's what they choose to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Give them the strength to, to say no whenever they don't want to do something. So can you tell us a little bit more about how voice is funded? I know you guys talked about you started in Corsicana. Mm-hmm.
1: Can you tell us how Voices spread all the way to Waco?
0: <laughs> okay, so that's kind of a long story. Um, it's got a, a a lot of and then Uh, points in it. (laughs) Um, So for about 16 years, uh, Voice just served Navarro County. Um, Then um, whenever, shortly after I started, um, we were working on uh, contracts with the state. At that time, it was Department of State Health Services. And we wrote contracts with the state to provide prevention programs, and we started out just asking, uh, you know, kind of expanding a little bit to uh, one, two other counties, but even one county was just one school district that was interested in working with us, Um, and at that time, um, you know, whenever it came time to award the contracts, we ended up with uh, three extra counties, and so we went from one county to five counties uh, just overnight, and so we we had to kind of scramble to go uh, get the schools in the counties interested again. Um, so after, uh, let me think, I'm sorry. I usually have the dates in front of me so I can go through them. But uh, a couple of years later, um, the Heart of Texas Council of Alcohol and Drug Abuse here in, in Waco um, unfortunately closed their doors and the state uh, called us, Department of State Health Services called us and said, hey, y'all are pretty close. You've already got these counties in in this area would you be willing to take on these three extra contracts for these con- th- these three counties? And so we went from five counties to eight counties. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. Um, then, uh, then it came time to write contracts again. So the the contracts that we that we have with the state are in five year cycles. Um, so a- after five years, it's time to do do new ones. So we uh, <clears throat> we wrote um, new contracts and added let me think <laughs> a lot more counties i'll just say that yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I always have to have these things in front of me cuz i can never remember every single one of them no no you're fine you're you're completely um, fine uh, but yeah with with those new contracts we went from um 8 8 contracts to 16 that's right it was yeah it was um 16 contracts or 16 counties I'm sorry I apologize 16 counties um, then a couple of years later probably a year and a half uh, the state realized that there were some counties that weren't being served and so they put out a, a request for uh, uh, contracts to serve the, those count for providers like us to, to serve those counties so being ambitious like we always are, we asked for three more counties and went from 16 to 19 um, counties pretty quick. Well, i uh, get to 2019. as a new contract cycle, and I promised I wasn't going to ask for any more counties, <laughs> and I didn't. I didn't ask for any more counties, but they called us and said, hey, can you take one more county? <laughs> and uh, so now we're, we're sitting at 20 counties um, serving um, – Probably a a pretty large chunk of, of Texas right now.
1: What it sounds like is it sounds like uh, originally you guys just started off with just Navarro County. Right. And then you fast forward in just the span of about 15 to 20 years, which in terms of a business and in terms of a nonprofit is not a very long time at all. Right. You're serving 20 counties now. Yes. You're saying that every year you added more than one county area
0: <laughs> for a voice. Yes. That is insane. Yeah. It's, it's been a wild ride.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and so how about how many people – What percentage of the population of children do you think that you're actually teaching to um
0: so you know that it's kind of hard to 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 judge you know um when we when we look at how how much the the percentage of kids that are actually in our service area it's about eight percent out of the entire population of texas wow but as much as I'd love to, I mean that's like s- almost six hundred thousand kids. Though um, we typically um, work directly with about um, twenty to thirty thousand kids in our curriculum education. Um, we we try to see as many as we can. Of course, we're kind of limited on time. Schools are limited on time, so we try to try to do as much as we can, um, and then with presentations and all of our other activities, we, like I said before, we we can usually um, have an impact on, on about 60,000 uh, people in, in, in that area.
1: Well, and, and that's incredible. And I, I apologize. I know I'm going a little off script here, no, that's uh, just asking a little bit about the numbers because <laughs> I'm genuinely curious, you know, 60,000 people is a lot of people. Yes, it is. <laughs> and... and you talk about how you started off in Navarro County, which for those of you that don't know, Navarro is not necessarily a very large place.
0: No.
1: And the fact that we, as voice, you started in Navarro County and have spread all the way to Waco and you're serving roughly 60,000 children in the span of just under 20 years. That is an accomplishment. <laughs> it, it very much so is an accomplishment. And I think that you guys are doing great and wonderful work. So can you tell me, Maybe what's what's the biggest challenge in the prevention field today?
0: Well, um, I, th- I I think the or I believe that the challenge is to get people to uh, shift their focus from just providing um, prevention uh, or substance abuse prevention, but to um, preventing uh, numerous risky behaviors through the building of critical life skills. So, um, and and it's not not. Providers like us, because we've been doing it long, long, long enough that we realize, okay, this curriculum that we're doing doesn't just keep kids from using uh, alcohol, tobacco, and drugs. It teaches them how to manage their emotions, like you said earlier, and deal with stress and make good decisions. And all of those things lead to making uh, good choices about violence and and other risky behaviors, uh, you know, bullying, things like that, uh, on top of the alcohol, tobacco, and and drugs. Um, You know, uh, another challenge is uh, the the pandemic uh, has really shown everyone, uh, not just us, but other other providers across the state, um, that we have to be able to adapt really quickly uh, to a lot of situations. Um, You know, our job um, was to be in a classroom with kids in large, you know, somewhat large groups. And, you know, that was very frowned upon in the beginning. (laughs) Um, So... All of it. All of us across the state, all the providers across the state, had really come up with some great ways to stay in touch with those kids, especially uh, during the summer, trying to keep um, keep them involved and keep them uh, engaged with activities so that um, you know they don't make choices that lead down bad behavior, uh, bad um, bad avenues. So, um, yeah, it was that. That's that's been been a big challenge, but. I think we've, moving forward, It's um, we've been able to see that, okay, we can do it this way and it works almost as good, if not sometimes better.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, and I know that a lot of people have kind of grown accustomed to Zoom school now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of here to stay for a little bit longer. Well, and something else that I think is important to mention, I, I was reading somewhere that the state of Texas was changing um, their focus when it comes to prevention education, and now they're encompassing a more uh, behavioral health and wellness type of uh, focus, including in prevention.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, that's that's uh, you know kind of what I was talking about. Is is um, you know I see it. I, I've shared it with our staff, um, and I've seen it for a while. And I, I really hate um, you know getting caught, caught off guard whenever people ask me, "So, what what does voice do?" oh, well, we do substance abuse prevention in the schools. Well, okay, that, that's one thing we do, but is that all we do? And, you know, the, the state has really kind of moved towards that as well. It, it's not substance abuse prevention as much anymore. It's prevention and behavioral health promotion. So they've, uh, I, I think the state has started to recognize, okay, well, we're doing more than just drug prevention. And so they, they, they finally got on board with us. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, recognize that, that you know, w- we should be doing more and, and can be doing more, and we actually are doing a lot more than drug prevention.
1: Well, and it definitely sounds like, and, and you know, again, I'm just speaking on from, from what I've seen and what I've read and from what I've experienced, but it definitely does sound like voice is spearheading a lot of uh, the prevention and behavioral health movement when it comes to being involved in schools and working with children. And I, and I feel like they're really – Getting into the schools where historically, you know people were a little hesitant to have this education brought to kids and, and it could be whether you know parents were just uncomfortable with that topic or, or maybe right. people were just you know ignorant of what prevention looks like. Mm-hmm. but the fact that voice is able to get into some of these tougher school districts and, and being able to you know, promote the, the prevention education and the behavioral health edu- education and, and teaching critical life skills is super important. and I think that the state
0: this is my personal opinion i think that maybe the state has noticed this and they're like oh this is a great idea there's a reason they keep calling us to take on more stuff
1: well you know let's let's segue a little bit let's kind of switch gears let's let's change it up uh let's talk about what it's like to be a ceo what is it like to be a ceo for voice
0: i wish i knew (laughs) (laughs) that would make things so much easier if i knew what i was supposed to be doing no i'm i'm kidding um you know i i I spent a lot of time um, learning from uh, our former CEO, Linda Sloan. Um, you know, she's, she's a, a mentor my, and one of my, my greatest mentors and uh, a friend. And, you know, as much as I got from her, as much as I learned from her, there's really no way to prepare you for what comes on a day-to-day basis. Um, and then, you know, for me, things got really difficult during the pandemic, um you know i became ceo in january of 2019 so i just had just over a year of experience as a ceo when the pandemic took off in march (laughs) and so that changed everything and threw everything uh, you know for a loop and and you know i was i was scrambling to figure out what was going on and and how to move forward and keep everybody safe you know um i even reached out to linda and uh you know kind of looking for some advice and said hey you know what, what can you tell me? And she said, I'm glad it's you and not me. That, that was her, her response. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't
1: imagine anybody was ever prepared for how COVID really took the world by storm, right. honestly. Right. Uh, so, you know, kind of segueing from that, what what's your favorite part about working as a Yeah, Yeah. You don't really have a, a whole lot of duties nailed down specifically, you know, being the boss, having to run everything and working behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So I know that you probably do a little bit of everything. So what's your favorite part (laughs) (laughs) of being a CEO? Um, You
0: know, it's, uh, thinking about this question, it's been, uh, it it was kind of hard to pinpoint um, a a favorite part part of my job. Uh, Not because there's so many, um, but because I I don't think I've had an opportunity to experience everything, you know, um, a a lot of aspects of my job that, that, uh, that could be my favorite. But... Um, I would say that building people up to become leaders um, you know myself included um, is is probably one of my favorite parts of, of my job um, you know being able to to share my knowledge and experience with others but I also I, I learn a lot from from uh, the people around me as well um, I've got some great administrative uh, staff that um, know a lot more than I do and have a lot more experience than I do and I definitely listen to them and um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if they listen to me, but <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and something that I think is important
1: to mention is I've heard some stories around the voice office where, you know, kids that have graduated from the voice programs that have come back years later and have said, Hey, thank you. I appreciate everything that you did. And I think that that sort of satisfaction in itself, you know, when you talk about building people up, mm-hmm. it's, there's just something that's so rewarding about having worked with a child, and they go through their programs, and they may not even realize the impact that you have on them until several years later. And then just, just for somebody to to mention and even think about you after you were there and mentoring them to come back and say, hey, thank you, right. I, th- I think
0: that means the world. Right. I mean, uh, we've even hired some pe- some kids that we've had in our uh, summer programs, our leadership program, uh, that have uh, gone through college, finished, finished their college education, and, and said, hey, I want to come work for you all. And they wanted to come back. See, yeah. that,
1: that's amazing. That that speaks volumes to me about the culture, not just inside of the office, but what you're doing inside of the schools and in the community. Right. So is there anything that if you could be CEO for a day without any sort of restrictions or being pulled in 20 different directions, as I'm sure you are, <laughs> is there anything that you wish that you could do more of in your day as a uh, CEO?
0: Yeah, work, work with the kids. Uh, I really, really miss... Um, you know and and I can it's just I can't spend a lot of time like like the rest of the prevention specialists can um I can go out and you know see the kids and and work with them as much as I can but um it would definitely um I think bring a a, a different aspect to my job it, you know keep me focused on on what we're really supposed to be doing and um you know the cause kids keep you grounded they will 100% uh, yeah
1: so what about some advice? Do you have any advice for anybody who's trying to get into maybe the prevention field or maybe do something in sort of a, a helping industry? What, what's a piece of advice you would give somebody?
0: Well, um, so I would say that, that one thing that's really important to, to, to think about and remember is that even if nobody ever tells you thank you or no, no one ever expresses to you, um, what you do makes an impact, even if you're just there. Um, but at the same time, uh, you have to realize you you can't save the world and you can't sacrifice your tr- yourself trying to do so.
1: And, and I think that's 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 very important, you know, because a lot of times I feel that people get started in the field of mm-hmm. prevention and social work and and, and and in a helping profession, and their idea is that they're going to get out there and they're going to conquer the world. Right. And a lot of times, people get overwhelmed with with the stress that comes along with these types of jobs. Right. So I think it's important to keep stuff in perspective and know that. Helping just one person,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even even if it's one person, right? That's making a difference. Absolutely, absolutely. So, do you have any favorite moments or, or memories of working with voice that you wanted to talk about today or, or mention?
0: Well, you know, um, I've been there a long time. It's really, I, I don't even remember that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my favorite stories is um, is just a, a quick anecdote. One of our my prevention specialists uh, told told me one day um, that during one of our summer programs, one of the kids came up to them um, as a first or second grader. I don't remember. We were working at one of the, the housing authorities in, in uh, Corsicana, and the the kid came up and said, "I know you love us because you keep coming back." Wow! And just that, you know, made my heart soar because you know it, it just being there for them uh, it made such an impact on her that 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 she felt loved.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that gives me chills just thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> well, and and so I know that you've been in this field for a long time. And I know that you've seen a lot of good and a lot of bad. But what gives you hope? What what, what keeps you going? What makes you wake up in the morning and say, hey, I want to be CEO for Voice?
0: Well, um you're good. <laughs> okay. So, um, when I was thinking about this question, um, it, it turned into this long drawn out answer. And, um, I, but I think it's important for me to give you kind of the background of, of where my hope is for, for voice. Um, one of the topics we learn about in the prevention field is a study, um, called the, uh, the adverse childhood experiences study. It's a ACEs study. Um, and it's a a, a long-term long-term research uh study um that's found that adverse experiences we have as children result in negative outcomes later in life okay and the number of adverse experiences leads to more and uh, more uh negative outcomes um so children who experience things like abuse and neglect or witness violence and substance use in their home uh, among other things uh are linked to chronic health problems uh substance abuse and mental illness as adults um they it, These experiences also impact their education their job opportunities and, and earning potential wow. uh, so the, you know knowing that 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 kind of backs up what we do as um you know a, a good reason to do it is to help uh you know curb those those experiences or the, or the outcomes from those experiences um so, the, like I said, the more of these experiences the kids have, the more uh, the higher the likelihood that there will be problem or multiple problems. Um, and, I, you know, I, I've witnessed these impacts on my, my own uh, adopted kids' um, lives. Um, they they came, like I said, they came from the foster care system, and they've had um, numerous adverse experiences themselves. Um, and as they've grown into adulthood, I, I've had to watch them struggle. Um, with a lot of the issues (laughs) I mentioned earlier. Um, I know that adopting them and raising them in a stable, loving home um, really changed the course of their lives. And uh, had we not done that, there's, you know, who knows where they would be right now. Um, But it's still hard to watch knowing that there is and was only so much my wife and I could do uh, to curb the effects of those experiences. so after seeing and experiencing my kids' own struggles, I, can, I, I recognize the same things in the people we work with, with the kids and, and everything. And because of that, my hope is that what Voice does, even the, s- the smallest thing, um, will impact the future uh, of e- each child, each parent, each uh, family, um, at the community as much as possible. And, uh, you know, I have that hope because the people at Voice our prevention specialists, our program directors, everybody has a heart for the people in our communities and a passion for serving. And uh, that alone can have a huge impact on the lives of others.
1: That's, that's such an amazing message. And, and I think that something that, that's important to, to point out is not only are you talking the talk, but you are walking the walk. <laughs> you, you have kiddos that you've raised and children that you've raised that have been through some hard times and right. and not only are you teaching kids that haven't been through that system but you also have adopted kids that have been through that system and you're giving support and you're saying hey I want to go out there and I want to give kids the best chance to be successful right right so you're you're living and breathing <laughs> it at the same time man and I think that is so inspiring oh, I think that's yeah. that's such an amazing message and I I love that that's the point that, you know, we're going to go out on. Right. Is there anything that you'd like to shout out? Anybody you'd like to say thank you to? Any events coming up that uh,
0: you'd like to mention? I, well, I don't really get to keep track of all the events. so. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I do want to say, and I've said it several times already, you know, I, I, I hope that uh, the rest of our staff get to hear this and they know that I am really, really thankful for everything they do. I know that they work hard, and uh, they they are the ones that that keep us going. It's not me. I'm here to serve them as much as as I am the the kids and in the communities. So I uh, just want to say thank you, thank you to them. They're, they're they're great.
1: Well, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you coming in. I know you're a very busy person. <laughs> I, I understand that. You know, being a CEO is not necessarily the easiest job. And so the fact that you were able to take some time off to come in here and do this podcast with me, it means a whole lot. And I just really want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you.
0: It's, it's been my pleasure.
1: <laughs> Thanks again to our listeners for joining us. If you want to learn more about Voice, VASA, or today's guests and their programs, look for the links in the show notes. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and you can send us an email at at jmazaatvoiceinc.org. That's J-M-A-Z-Z-A at voiceinc.org. If you have a topic or guest that you would like for us to discuss, thank you for listening and have a positive day. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.